The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So the gospel that uh, we just had read for us by Anne comes from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's the famous story of Jesus visiting the house of Mary and Martha, where Martha's doing all of the work and Mary isn't. And so we come to church on a day like this, and I, my, my sense is, uh, although Rachel did a nice job of taking a different direction, we assume that we're going to hear, stop being so worried, quit being so busy, and be more like Mary, and bow down at the feet of Jesus, and, and listen to what Jesus has to say in prayer, and be, pray and be more contemplative. That is, I think, a overly simplistic reading of that passage, um, and it's worth considering it. However, as you will hear um, this morning, I actually want to use that passage to go in a slightly uh, different direction. Before I get to that, though, I will say that as I read it this week, uh, for whatever reason, I read it a little bit more as a father of uh, children who are not always interested in doing chores. Um, anyone have children here? Or <laughs> siblings, maybe? And I mean, I, you can imagine either with your own siblings or with um, your children, uh, when you invite them or ask them to do a chore, you can just hear in Mary and Martha you know, Martha complained, well, why aren't you helping Mary? I don't have to do all the work, right? Which brings up a totally unrelated thing other than it has to do with parenting. Uh, and I'm going to tease a little bit my youngest son, Andrew, who's here. Andrew, I apologize. I hope you don't need too much therapy in the years to come. Um, <laughs> but last night before worship, I, I had sent uh, Sam and Andrew out to do a little... Uh, a chore. I needed them to buy a gift card for someone, so I gave them one of my credit cards. This is the note I get before worship from Andrew on my phone, a text. He says, is it okay if we spend a little money? And I said, on dot 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 question mark. And his response was, your credit card. <laughs> and after I clarified, no, I mean, what are you planning to spend money on? His response was, oh. <laughs> anyway, I do love you, Andrew, but that was too good to, too good to pass up. There were, um, 
There are three reasons uh, I mentioned. I, I don't want to focus explicitly on the Mary and Martha story, um, but I want to use it as a launching pad for a slightly different direction for three reasons. Two of them come from the passage itself. The first, and this is actually listed at the top of your bulletin, is the first verse of that reading, verse 38, uh, which says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And so it got me thinking about home and what does it mean to be home. The second thing from the passage is actually from the, the larger context of where we find this passage. And it comes, interestingly enough, in a, a very long um, section of Luke. It's actually nine chapters long. It starts in the chapter immediately before this one, and chapter 9 goes through chapter 18, and it's called the travel narrative of Luke. Uh, and it starts when we're told that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, right? And so for the next nine chapters, including in this visit to Mary and Martha's house, we have Jesus traveling, making his way to Jerusalem, which is why, by the way, in the prior chapter, chapter, or excuse me, in uh, chapter 10, earlier in chapter 10, Jesus sends out those 72 ahead of him. That's not just so that those 72 can share God's love with the people they encounter. They are actually going out to help Jesus figure out what his path is going to be as he makes his way to Jerusalem. Uh, they're figuring, he is, he's figuring out where those disciples of his are well-received and where they aren't, and that's going to help him decide um, how he actually travels. So from the passage itself, we get an emphasis on home and a reminder of travel. And then in my own life, some of you may know this, but um, some of my family and I uh, were on a trip recently to Italy. Uh, our oldest son, Luke, will be a senior in college this coming year, and he did a little study abroad um, earlier in uh, May and June uh, in Italy. And we thought, oh, well, this would be a, a great opportunity for us to go over and visit him. So my wife, Amy, and our youngest son, Andrew, and I um, went to see him, Sam, who is here this morning, will have a chance to do his own study abroad later. He's still a little annoyed with us that he didn't come along. He had to do some other things this summer. Anyway, we, we had a wonderful time, and there are a couple of things from that trip that I want to lift up this morning that I do think are related to our, our life of faith. We, we, uh, Luke, I mentioned, was based in Florence. That's where he studied for most of the time. He did some trips a few other places, day trips and that kind of thing. We were in Florence in a place called Cinque Terre, and then we ended our trip in Rome. So I want to re recount a couple of events from Cinque Terre and from Florence. Um, the first from Cinque Terre. Has anyone been to Cinque Terre? A few of you. So Cinque Terre is a, it's actually a national park now in Italy. It's on the western coast of the country. It's made up of five uh, charming, beautiful little towns. Even if you've not actually visited there, I am almost 100% certain that all of us here today have seen images from Cinque Terre. Uh, there, there are these iconic shots of, of charming homes that are brightly colored that make their way up the steep cliffs off of the Ligurian uh, coast. Um, and you've seen them, I'm sure, in, in posters and other places. Anyway, we stayed in a town called Manarola there. Uh, about 200 people live there, but thousands come every day to tour. And while we were there, 
we went out on a boat uh, recommended to us by the place we were staying. Uh, nothing fancy. It was owned by a, a local young gentleman named Dario. Dario, if you ever find your way to this sermon, which I don't know how you would, but on our streaming service or YouTube, thank you for a wonderful uh, visit. Dario was an amazing host. Um, again, a very simple boat, but he took us out, and we were able to sort of tool along the coast and see the five towns from the ocean, uh, take a dip in the water. And it's just stunning. It's breathtakingly beautiful. And so at one point, I said to Dario, uh, his English wasn't great, but I said to him, Dario, and he's, he's from Monterola, that's his hometown. I said, you have a beautiful home. And I expected him just to respond by saying, thank you, I do. Uh, but instead, he said something much more profound. What he said was, thank you, I do have a beautiful home, but I've discovered that in order to appreciate how beautiful your home is, you have to go away from it for a while and travel and then come back. So the first thing I want to say this morning, it's a very simple but a profoundly true statement is that we in my family had a wonderful time in Italy. We made memories that will last a lifetime, but it was wonderful to come back home. And for me especially, it was wonderful to come back home to this place, to St. Philip the Deacon. And so I just want to say this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you for making this such a wonderful home. We are all blessed beyond compare by the community of St. Philip the Deacon. And for my part, I'm grateful to you for making it such a wonderful place. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, a little applause, too. <laughs> Just a very little, though. <laughs> Seriously, it's something we should not take for granted, and sometimes going away for a bit helps us to uh, be reminded of the beauty of our own home. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing comes from uh, a little bit of our time in, in Florence. Has anyone been to Florence? Uh, more, more people have been to Florence. Um, and Florence, as you may know, it's this amazing uh, center of uh, Renaissance uh, art and culture. It's really, in some ways, the, the, the beginnings of, of the Renaissance in all of Europe. The art there, the culture, the history is absolutely unbelievable. And in the center of town is the, the cathedral. Uh, it's, it's the name of the cathedral is St. Mary of the Flowers. The flowers that surround uh, Florence are what give the city of Florence uh, it, it, its name. It's better known, though, that cathedral as, does anyone remember the name that most people call it? The Duomo, that's right. And Duomo uh, is not, that name is not unique to the cathedral in Florence, although Florence's Duomo may be the most famous one in all of Italy, largely because of its architecture, and the dome there is famous for uh, being the largest uh, dome even larger in St. Peter, or in Rome, at St. Peter's. Um, anyway, Duomo is, is a name that's given to churches throughout Italy, and it's a name that simply means, related to my theme this morning, home or house, as in the house of God. And so we visited, it's a beautiful location, the, the, the piazza around it is beautiful, the exterior is beautiful, the interior is beautiful. We went on a Sunday evening, though, uh, to worship. It was 6 o'clock, it was hot, part of the family may have fallen asleep during worship, I won't name names, uh, but we were in pews with side things that you could lean on. Uh, and um, anyway, we had a wonderful time. I don't really speak a lick of Italian, other than ciao. Uh, 
even after a couple weeks there. And so I didn't really understand a word that was said during the service, but I will tell you that in that service, listening to the priest, um, who had this very warm and welcoming uh, approach, both Amy and I commented on this, we felt very welcomed. We felt like we were being invited back home. And so the other thing I want to remind us today, I mentioned, again, we are so grateful for the home we have here, those of us who call St. Philip Deacon home, um, and that's a real gift and a blessing. But part of the responsibility each and every one of us has related to this home is that it is our job always, always, always to make sure that those who are visiting uh, this place also feel like it can be their home. We've been actually talking about this quite a bit as a staff. I think we do a reasonably good job of that, but we can always do better. Every week I say at the beginning of worship, if this is your first time worshiping here, please know we have been expecting you. And that is true. We have been. But we want to make sure that in all kinds of ways that the people who visit us actually feel that way, the way that my family and I felt when we were welcomed into the Duomo. Part of the, the lesson I learned at the Duomo also has to do with a church as a um, physical space. Uh, it is true that the church is primarily the people of the church, but we gather in places, and the places are important. And on the exterior of the Duomo, they had some scaffold, scaffolding up on one section, and we asked our guide about it. We said, are they cleaning it or something? And he said, yeah, they're cleaning that section. And then when they're done, they'll move the scaffolding to the next section where they'll clean and do some repairs. And he said they just continually make their way around the church, and they make it all the way around the circumference of the church every eight years continuing to make that church uh, a welcoming place to others. And so I want to lift up, I, again, I've already thanked you for making this a wonderful home, but I also want to say thank you to everyone who's making possible the renovations we are doing uh, through our summer project in the mid-level and our administrative space. Um, again, I mentioned in my welcome, I'm guessing many of us here at St. Philip don't even know we have a middle level. I promise you when the renovations are done, you will know that. And I am absolutely convinced that those investments we're making in our physical plant will pay all kinds of dividends and bear all kinds of fruit for everyone who comes into this, our home, for many years to come. So to those of you who are making that possible, I want to say a very clear and very full-throated and strong thank you, thank you, thank you. We're halfway through this appeal that's making that possible. If you aren't yet participating, uh, I encourage you to consider uh, being part of that. It's a really important moment in our life together. So a couple of simple observations from my own travel over the last couple of weeks. If you find yourselves traveling this summer, maybe you already have traveled, my prayer for each and every one of you is that when you come back to this place, you will find that you are coming back to your home. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, you do invite us home in all kinds of ways, including through the amazing gift of this community of faith. We thank you for helping to make it our home, and we pray that you will open our hearts to those who come here so that they also can find that it is their home as well. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.